Welcome to Tower Hill Online. I'm Karen G, and this is our weekly sermon recap. Our hope is to inspire you, but more important, we want this message to help grow your faith. So today, we're in part two of our sermon series called The Heart of Christmas. And this week, we're talking about joy and how to find God-sized joy that only Jesus can bring. So let's kick it off to Pastor Jason Tucker right now. So last night was a great event, and uh, the Christmas on the Hill, and I just want to thank uh, everybody for helping out and being a part of that. And it's funny, events like that happen, and they're fun, and we get a lot out of it, and it's like, man, we're on to the next thing. Like, we don't have time to celebrate. I feel like that's a microcosm of what has become our lives. It's, you don't have time to really celebrate this moment. You're on to the next. Okay, we got lunch break this week, and we got the choir concert. We got go, 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 go. And it's all good stuff. Don't get me wrong. But this is what we fill our lives with. I don't think we struggle filling our lives with bad stuff. Like, I think we just know not to do that, or we try to limit that. But when it's good stuff, it makes it hard, because we just get on to the next, on to the next. And if we're not careful... We may miss what God is trying to tell us in any given moment. And I think that's what Advent helps us to do. It helps us to slow down and to listen. Listen to the moment that God has for you, which is hard to do in the middle of Christmas season, right? Because you all got a million things going on, but what if the very thing that God wants to give you has everything to do with you slowing down just a little bit? That's what we're talking about over the next couple of weeks. And um, we were acknowledging last week that life has been so difficult. I think like we have collective PTSD over the last couple of years, and everybody's emotional fuse is super short. It's like it doesn't take much to set you off, to get you mad or sad or whatever. And I think this is, these are all signs of sort of what we've been through. And at least we take comfort in knowing we're all there, <laughs> but I don't think it makes life any easier because everybody's a little bit of a wreck, right? I mean, it's just, I don't know, maybe I'm just talking about myself, but maybe you've noticed it in the folks around you. Uh, but it's been a very difficult year, especially. You know, it, we were talking last week about, just think about what's happened this year, right? The war in Ukraine, crazy inflation, which, let's be honest, for most of us in the room, doesn't affect us like it does a lot of people. And... Um, you know, my heart just goes out to people whose lives are literally hanging by a thread because of what it costs for them to survive. Think about this, the shootings that we've seen just this I mean, just you could add so many things to this list, but it's been really, really hard. And that's why I don't, I said this last week, that's why I'm not going to be the Christmas Pharisee any longer because if people want to put up their Christmas lights in July, I don't really care. Like, just do it, because we all need a little Christmas right this very minute, right? How many of you watched Elf already? Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about right there. We all need it. So let's dive in a little more to this season of Advent, because I think you'll find it's this really cool thing that if you dig a little deeper into this season of Advent, you'll find a lot of meaning and I think a lot of help for whatever's going on in your life. Advent is a season of focus that is meant to slow us down and consider God's presence in the midst 
of everyday life. We said last week, Advent just simply comes from a Latin word that means coming or arrival. And we mean this in a few different ways, because Advent is this, it needs a little explanation, I think. It's like, well, we're waiting for Jesus to be born, but newsflash, he was already born 2,000 years ago. So why do we, why do, we do that? What's that really about? Well, in, in the Christian life, it's more complicated. There are more levels to it. Yes, we celebrate the past. We celebrate Jesus coming into this world and changing it forever. We also look forward to the day he's going to come back. So there is a waiting for when all things are made new, where there'll be no more tears and no more sorrow. There'll just be the joy of God. And then we look at the present, right? How are we waiting on God to show up in our lives? We all experience about a million mini advents every day where we're waiting upon God to show up. You can make the argument, and I'm going to right now, that the Christian life is primarily about waiting, which, incidentally, we all hate. We never want to wait. We, I mean, listen, like I, I microwaved instant coffee, and I think I went back in time. Like I just, we all want it immediately. And if it's not immediate, I mean, just think about like 1993 when he had dial-up internet. Or whenever that was, 96 probably. Can you imagine, if you went to someone's house today and they had dial-up, you would lose your mind. You'd probably leave. There's no way you're waiting on that. This is like us in our lives. We hate waiting, and yet I think we need to figure out what does it look like to be faithful when we're waiting upon God? If, if most of our life is waiting for God to show up in one way or another, What's it look like to do that faithfully? And I think you'll discover that in that is a real blessing for your life. Multiple blessings, actually. Uh, I haven't watched it yet, but I got to do my annual Christmas story. I will be watching that in its entirety at some point. Uh, and I love even just the beginning scene when they're outside the store of Higby's and they're like, yeah, we saw the Christmas display, a panoply of mechanized electronic joy. And when you're a kid, man, that is what Christmas is about. It's the joy of waiting to get that thing that you've been hoping to get. And I have wonderful memories of that. I mean, wonderful memories and memories of my kids too. But I also think that if this is what we think about when we think of joy, we may be selling joy a little short. In other words, I think there are certainly joyful moments in this. And I think it's good. I'm a big fan of Christmas. But have you ever, parents, you can maybe relate to this. You search high and low for this gift, for this thing, for this toy, for this whatever. And uh, anyone grew up in the 80s? Remember the Cabbage Patch dolls? You're like, yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, Teddy Ruxpin, you know. You know. All, the, all the toys uh, that you couldn't find. But anyway, you, you go to great lengths and you get this thing for your kid. And they open it, and there it is. There's your moment. Wow, joy, this is awesome. They play with it for 15 minutes. And they put it away, and you never see it again. I've got a lot of emotions about this. I feel like, though, we all live this version of joy a bit. We're waiting on that thing to happen for us to open that present of whatever it is we're looking for in our life, and that's the thing that's finally going to do it. That's the thing. 
and I'm going to feel joy. It's going to be good, and I'm going to be finally fulfilled, right? But it's sort of like that kid in Christ. It's like we get it, and then we're on to the next thing. Hey, Christmas on the Hill is great, and then on to the next thing. In other words, we get it, we receive it, we get something out of it, but then it's quickly on to, okay, what's next? What's more? Because that thing didn't do it for me. I think there's something to this that has to do with the difference between that and what we talk about when we talk about Christian joy. Listen, Christmas joy is great. Love the matching socks. You know, families go all out. Or they, uh, you know, decorate. All the Clark Griswolds out there, you've done a lot of decorating already. And you're probably still buying stuff. Or maybe you get a lot of joy for some reason out of the matching Christmas sweaters. I don't know. Like, that's your thing. You do you. But is this really the joy that we've been waiting for? Is this the joy that we're talking about when we light the second candle of Advent? When we talk about what Jesus means to us? Of course, I don't think so. Maybe you'll agree with me after we unpack it a little bit. Let's unpack this idea of joy. So what is it that we mean when we talk about joy? Maybe we talk about kids at Christmas time. Oh, that's joy, you know, seeing their little faces. That's joy. Or we think, hey, the joy of having a family, that is joy. That, that cuts a bit deeper. Or, hey, something that cuts even deeper is the first day of the red cups at Starbucks. Like, that's joy. <laughs> joy, straight joy right there. So I was, I was thinking, okay, well, how would you define joy? So I went to the most reliable resource, Webster's Online Dictionary, .china.org, and uh, no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. So anyway, the definition of joy reads this way. The emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. That is joy. Interesting definition to me. I don't think that's what we mean when we talk about Christian joy. This seems like Christmas joy, like let's open the present and we feel good for a minute. We get that thing that we've desired. So I was like, this sounds kind of like happiness. So I looked up the definition for happiness. It said, happiness, a state of well-being and contentment. See joy. (laughs) And then I thought, I don't know. Those things, I don't think, are interchangeable, are they? I, I... That doesn't seem to make sense. I think there's something more when we talk about joy that comes through faith. So then you have to ask, well, what do we mean when we talk about Christian joy? I'm going to bounce around through a couple of scriptures that I think tease this out about how Christian joy is something so much different than the joy that we all kind of live by in the earthly terms, right? Earthly joy, Christmas present joy. And then there's Christian joy, joy in the Lord. What does that look like? So I want to take a uh, look first at Nehemiah. So Nehemiah, wonderful story in the Old Testament about how Nehemiah helped to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem after it had been destroyed. It was like long after the uh, Babylonians took them into captivity years later. Nehemiah was allowed to go back and to rebuild the walls, and, which is a, a wonderful book of the Old Testament. I encourage you to read. But there's this one point where the people come back. They've built the walls again. 
and the people rededicate themselves to God. It had been years and years and years since they've obeyed any of commands or even thought much about God. It had been maybe a couple of generations. And what's interesting is they came back and they came with the priest and with Nehemiah and everyone and they started reading the book of the law to the people and they started weeping because they felt so bad about themselves. They, they felt that they haven't lived up to their faithfulness. It's like they heard it with new ears and it sort of broke them. So this is, some, this is a really interesting moment. Uh, this is from Nehemiah chapter eight. Go ahead to the next slide. The, uh, the Nehemiah... The governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. A couple things in here that are really interesting to me. One is, this is a day that's holy to the Lord. Let me put it this way. You shouldn't weep because you're sad you didn't do right. You should rejoice because God's rejoicing you came back. God's so thrilled that you're rededicating yourselves. Don't think about all the ways you fell short. Think about everything that's in front of you. What's in front of you is the joy of the Lord that is your strength. In the midst of the tears, there's something else about this joy thing that's different. Or look at the book of Philippians. Paul was in prison awaiting a death sentence. He had been in there for two years as he was writing this book. Didn't take him two years to write probably, but he was in prison not to get out again. He wrote Philippians, which is called the book of joy, because in that letter is the most times in the New Testament you hear the word joy or rejoice. That in and of itself is strange. That does not sound like worldly joy, where you get what you're hoping to get. This is something else. This is something that goes beyond your actual circumstance and is coming out of you from the inside. He says this quite famously, rejoice in the Lord always. Now, rejoice in the Lord when everything's in your favor. Rejoice in the Lord when you get that thing you've always wanted. Rejoice in the Lord only when. Green lights and blue skies, baby. Rejoice in the Lord always, even when you're shackled to a prison cell wall. Rejoice in the Lord always. And, you know, in human terms, this sounds nonsensical. What do you mean? Just like ignore the pain of life? No, no, no. Pain of life's going to come. We're never promised a pain-free existence. Like, hey, come to Jesus, and everything's going to be perfect. There won't be any more pain. There won't be any more suffering. If, seriously, if you ever hear anybody say that, you run. Because you're in the wrong room. It didn't work for Jesus that way. Why would it work for us? Pain and suffering are part of the human existence. The difference is, when you have Christian joy, that pain doesn't lead you to a place of despair. It's playing always like background music in your life, that you could still have joy in the midst of the suffering and the pain. 
Because God is lifting you up. Even when you can't lift yourself. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you see the flow there? Rejoice in the Lord. This causes you to not be anxious. And then when you're not anxious, you have the peace of Christ that passes understanding. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And finally, we see it talking about Jesus. This is from Hebrews. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. This is something different. What is it? What do we mean when we talk about Christian joy? We'll just look at our examples so far. Nehemiah, you can have it even in the grief. You could have it even in anxiety. You could have it even when enduring the cross. Christian joy can happen even in the midst of unhappiness. Maybe some of you have experienced that. Your faith has lifted you up in a way that you don't even understand. I just, just thinking back to when my mom died and my stepdad died and my father died and like it was all like tragic circumstances and of course I was absolutely crushed but I wasn't lost through it something was lifting me up to where I could still say I rejoice in the Lord I, I don't understand what's going on I don't like what's going on but I still rejoice that God loves me, saved me, has a plan through all of this mess. Joy is a deeper fulfillment. Joy can produce happiness, but happiness can't produce joy. At least not Christian joy. So no, I don't think they're synonymous. Because I think God-sized joy isn't just an emotion, it's a state of being. It's the heart's reaction to spiritual fulfillment. That's what it is. That's what Christian joy is. It's the heart's reaction to spiritual fulfillment. When you are fulfilled in Jesus, joy is a byproduct. Because your soul's connected the way it should be, the way it always was intended to be. Again, I don't have to convince you of this. You know this is true. Why does it feel so good when you serve somebody else? Why does it feel so good when you love somebody else? Because when you do that, you're not thinking of yourself. You're leaning into your created purpose. More on that in a second. In fact, no, let's get to that. We'll get to that now. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Why did Jesus have joy? Because he knew what this pain was going to produce. 
Jesus' joy is to fulfill his God-given purpose to heal us. He knew that it was worth it so that we could be healed. Do you think Jesus wanted to go through what he did? There's no way. But he saw it as joy. It was the path to joy. It was the fulfillment of it. Jesus wanted nothing more with his life than to fulfill the purpose of healing us, no matter what it took. So what do we say about Christian joy? It's the fulfillment of our God-given purpose. And what is that? What is our God-given purpose? Funny you should ask. (laughs) This is how Jesus puts it in the Gospel of John. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, watch this, I told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Keeping his commands. What are his commands? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That, it sounds really easy until you think about it. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah, that's hard. You do that, you receive the joy of Christ, and your joy is complete. Again, that's why when you serve somebody, it feels so good, because you're stepping in to your God-sized fulfillment of what you're supposed to do, your purpose. And that purpose can be accomplished in a million different ways. It can be done just through you being faithful at your job. It can be done through interactions with the people you work with. With the person at the checkout, at Acme. Parents on the sports fields. It can be done any different way. You could be giving, you could be serving. There are all different ways to accomplish this. But every time you do it, the reason you feel so good is because you're leaning into your God-sized purpose. And that produces joy every single time. So joy, Christian joy, number one, it's the fulfillment of our God-given purpose. Keeping Jesus' commands, though, involves sacrifice. Like he, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. There may be sacrifice that we have to make in order to keep his commands. But think about the best things in your life. I'll bet you they all had sacrifice attached. It's like, any of you ever have kids? Like, sacrifice. I'm willing to do with less because I want my kids to have more. I'm willing to sacrifice this so that my kids can get this. I'm willing to sacrifice, and we were talking about this last night, we're going to sacrifice, like, remember those days when you're like, what do you want to do today? <laughs> Parents, do you remember those days at all? <laughs> what do you want to do? Let's go out. I don't know. Let's be spontaneous. I don't remember what that's like. You sacrifice, why? For the joy set before you. Your children, you know what this is about. I'm here to tell you there's an even greater joy than that that's worthy of whatever sacrifice it takes. There's a joy that God wants to set in your heart that's going to change your life. 
I, I find that there's a line that happens with people. I've, I see it, I certainly have seen it in myself, but I see it in others, and I see it in you know, friends and family. It's this line of fear. And it goes something like, I'm afraid that if I cross this threshold and go all in with faith, that I'm going to be required to give up something I don't want to give up. What's funny is this is so strong that even if we're miserable, we are still afraid to cross that. Because it's sort of like the pain I know is better than the pain I don't know kind of thing. The wild thing about that is that if we're, <laughs> we're crossing this thing of faith and we believe that God is who he says he is, we're somehow thinking that God's going to mess things up for me. Which is, you know, ridiculous. But we, we still feel it. We're like, well, what if God, like, calls me to go to Guam as a missionary or something? I'm like, I... Or wants me to go do this thing that I don't want to do. I'm like, listen, I don't know. There aren't a lot of Christians that's like, they being Christians, they're like, I feel like I need to go to Guam. Like, I mean, there's some, but it's not... God gave you this life, and he has you where you are, but I think he wants you to bloom where you're planted more than he wants to transplant you to somewhere else. I'm not saying he, he won't ever do that. Sometimes he does, but most of the time it's, how do you bloom where God's planted you? We're so afraid of what we might have to give up, and yet we receive so much more. And I have never been disappointed by following God, not once. I get plenty disappointed in following myself, but never in following God. Never. There aren't many promises I can give you, truly, but I can say this. If you follow God more, you will not regret it. I don't know that I've met a Christian that's ever regretted that, ever. Christian joy is the fulfillment of our God-given purpose. The thing attached to that is that it's received, not achieved. Because I know all you achievers out there, all right, let's get to it. Going to increase my joy, I'm going to get out the spreadsheet, I'm going to, right? That's not how it works. You cross the threshold of fear, and you trust. I know you're like, that's it? Yes. <laughs> yes, that's it. It's simple, but not simplistic. It's simple, but profound. Sounds easy, it's not. To truly trust. But then you receive joy. Why? Because joy is Jesus. You don't achieve Jesus. Jesus, by his grace, comes to you. It's about God-sized perspective, right? So the amount of joy that we experience is directly related to our own perspective. I'm saved by grace through faith. I live in such gratitude it compels me to love, and then my joy increases. This is the math. Gratitude leads me to love. And when I love, I step into my God-given purpose. My joy increases. I think there are two different mindsets that we have in life. I think there are some 
who would say, God owes me. And I know that we are all, I mean, listen, we all have that thought at some point. It's like, God, I'm doing this for you. I'm back at church. I went to Barnes and Noble, got a new Bible. I gave money to that thing for the people in the place. I never killed anyone. Why is this bad thing in my life? We may not say it, but God knows it's in there. You owe me. I deserve better than what I'm getting. And just a little piece of advice. Never pray for what you deserve. The Lord has overlooked a lot in his love for us. You know what it is, though? It's the difference between God owes me versus God owns me. I'm an adopted child of God. I have a relationship with him. It changes everything. I am thrilled at this life that he's given me. It's not perfect. It's got a lot of holes in it. But none that are God's fault. And God changes me from the inside out. So I have joy even when I shouldn't according to world standards. I have joy, not just in the Christmas season, in all seasons of the year. Advent is a season of focus meant to slow us down and consider God's presence in the midst of everyday life. I have faith, and then I follow, which leads to joy. So, what is the secret? Don't say I never gave you anything. What is the secret to a more joyful faith you got to increase the following. I think you wouldn't be here if you didn't have faith, at least on some level. I know some of you, maybe you were dragged here this morning. That's okay. We love you. We're glad you're here. Maybe faith doesn't come easy, but assuming there's something, at least a belief in God, where does the joy come from? It comes from the more you're following. I think Paul, uh, the apostle, put it perfectly when he tells his secret. This is also from Philippians. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I trust, I follow I have joy, even shackled to this prison wall. What prison wall are you shackled to this morning? We all got one. There's something. How does God want to bring joy in the middle of it? It may seem impossible, but you could do all this through him who gives you strength. So our joy is in Jesus. We celebrate his birth in the past. We anticipate his return in the future. And our spirit is fulfilled by him right now in the present. Faith in three tenses. And that's why we say that joy is at the heart of Christmas. Amen.